Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads there. Uh, I'm here at my front door. You can hear the dogs in the background. Uh, but if you came to visit me this morning, this is where I would greet you. Front door and we'd have a great time together. I hope we can do that soon. But I'm going to give you a little random tour of my house. This is a, a tour of doors at my place. Front door, biggest door of the place, uh, obviously, our garage door. Drive a car in and out of the garage door. And uh, like I said, a kind of random tour, right? But I want to show you some doors. Uh, here's a flimsy door to the storage set on the side. Side door to the garage. Hey, it's me, Dawson. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers we love and care about. Happy Father's Day. Good job, Dawson. See you, guys. <laughs> side door to the house. Who's that? All right, very good, Jim. High five, Kinsey. <laughs> All right, couple, couple more doors. Uh, come with me. We've got a well. Here's a partially open door to the back screened-in porch. That's another kind of flimsy door. Now back here in the corner of my yard is uh, is my office and uh, nice big uh, door with a window. This is where I spend a lot of my time during the week and. It's a great place for me to uh, study. But here's the door I really want to show you. This has got to be the trickiest door of the whole of, the, of, of my whole place for sure. Now this door up here is a door to the kids fort. And uh, it's a small door. You got to climb up this ladder. It's not, it's not too big. You, I got to climb in here in and out. It is the, it has got to be for sure the toughest door to get in and out of. And the reason I point out this uh, difficult door is because it reminds me of a door that Jesus talked about in uh, Luke chapter 13. In Luke 13, 24, he says, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to. That verse in and of itself is a huge challenge for us. In fact, when we just take that verse and begin to make some observations, it's, first of all, it teaches us that living the Christian life is not easy. It's like a narrow door. It's, it's hard to get up into. It's, it's, it's got some dangers along the way. Uh, living the Christian life is difficult. And the second really challenging and sobering truth in that verse is that many will try to enter and not be able to. Many will uh, try to live the Christian life and, uh, and fail, will, will not be able to. This verse uh, leads us into our uh, sermon this morning, and it is a challenging sermon. It's a sermon that has some difficult truths to understand and apply to our lives, and so I just ask, uh, I want to uh, pause and pray for us today, that God would speak to us what we, he would have for us today. And then after I pray, I'll meet you in the sanctuary and we'll look at Luke 13 in greater depth. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just lift up our sermon to you now and I pray that you would please uh, bless this word. 
May it not be my word, may it be your word. May we look at the truth of the scriptures and as, as difficult as it is to understand or even to accept, I pray that you would take these truths and drive them into our hearts so that we might be, be, be strengthened to live as followers of you. God bless us today as we, uh, as we uh, have your teaching before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' teaching in this passage that we look at today comes in response to someone's question. It's a question that I know I have thought about and you may have as well. I'm calling it a relevant question. The question posed to Jesus is found in verses 22 and 23 of Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, 22 and 23 reads this way. When Jesus went through the towns and villages... Teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem, someone asked him, and here's the relevant question, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Have you ever asked yourself, yourself that question? How many people will really be saved? I know if you're like me, I, I think most of us would love to say, uh, yeah, I hope most people are saved. I think most people are going to go to heaven but if we take the words of Scripture seriously about what it means to be saved, and then we look around the world that we live in, it seems that probably a lot less people would be, will be saved than what we would hope for. In fact, um, we might as well just start with what people claim about their religious beliefs. Here's a graph uh, that represents uh, uh, our area that the church is located in, West Covina and the surrounding communities. And, uh, and in this pie chart, you will see people's uh, religious affiliation broke down. And right away, the number that jumps off the page at me is that the biggest piece of the pie are those that claim no religious affiliation. 36% uh, claim to be Catholic. Uh, what we would be for uh, evangelical Protestant is about 8%. But the largest piece of the pie, 47%, have no religious affiliation. In fact, the largest, the fastest growing religion in America are the nuns. Not N-U-N-S, the, the women that... Uh, dressed in the black robes and have the white head garment, but N-O-N-E-S, those that have no religious affiliation. And so the, the response to Jesus' question, it seems that our, will only a few people be saved, it seems that we would have to come to the conclusion that it will probably not be a large number. But this is our own understanding. Let's go on to look at what Jesus said. The first point is a, um, is a relevant question. The second point I'll call a radical effort. This is the word that Jesus says in response to the question. He says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able are many people going to be saved, Lord? And he goes uh, straight to the application. He says, make sure that you are among the saved. And it's not easy. It's a narrow door. It's hard to fit through. It's like that door that I showed you up on the, 
uh, by my kids for it. It's a small door. It's, it's dangerous. It's hard to climb up and to find our way into. But Jesus is say, uh, telling us to make a radical effort, to make every effort to enter through the uh, narrow door because many will try to enter and not be able to. In other words, it is difficult to live the Christian life. It is difficult to be saved. It requires a radical effort. Now, I am by no means advocating for a works-based salvation. The Bible is very clear that we are saved by grace and not by ourselves or by uh, what we do. But what I, but what I do think uh, we are talking about is having a not a religion, not a works-based uh, faith, but a relationship with God. And we all know that relationships take a lot of work. Think about your relationship with your wife or your husband or with your kids or your parents or with your best friend. Does not, do not those relationships take a lot of effort? If you simply ignore them, they're going to be, uh, get upset with you and you're not going to have much of a relationship. It's going to take a lot of forgiveness. It's going to take a lot of time with that person. And if God is to be in our lives, to be at the center of our lives, the most important relationship, which is really what it means to be saved, then that's going to require radical effort. And so my application question for you this morning is, very similar to the application that Jesus seems to be driving at, the, at in this passage, I want to ask you, how is your radical effort? Are you putting in the radical effort to, to live in a close relationship with God or have you become cold or lukewarm? It requires, it requires time, it requires effort. And Jesus is calling us to live in that hot pursuit of him. Revelation 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. See, those are, those are strong words, but this is, the, this is the teaching of Scripture, and this is the direction that Jesus now goes in this passage the next point I want to make from Jesus' teaching here is that is about a scary revelation. A scary revelation. Look at what he says uh, next in verse 25. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught us in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you all, uh, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves are thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and will take their places at the feet at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now I am calling this point a scary revelation because what we have pictured here is 
begins to be a picture of life without God. And there could be nothing more scary than to understand that uh, life without God uh, for all eternity is to be cast into hell itself. Hell is not something we like to talk about. In fact, we oftentimes uh, try to think of, of ways to talk about it without saying the word hell, but the Bible talks about hell and it talks about it being a place uh, that is separated for God for all eternity. And it talks about it being a place that is, first of all, irreversible. Once we are cast away from God's presence for all eternity, there is no going back. Jesus talks about here a man who is at the door and people are knocking on the door and the man says, away from me. He does not reopen the door. Once this life is over and we have breathed our last, we will either be with God or we will be thrown out away from God. And this is a scary revelation. But the good news is that in this moment, in this life, there is still hope that uh, we can receive the good news of Jesus and be brought into his kingdom and be able to have fellowship with him for all eternity. And I'll have to admit, as I have been studying this passage, I've had that conviction. Am I sharing the gospel? If I really believe in this scary revelation, uh, am I sharing the good news of Jesus? And I'll admit that I am not nearly as evangelistic as I would like to be. In fact, my uh, normal interaction with people oftentimes is in two bubbles. One, my family. And my family and my extended family, my wife's extended family, for the most part, uh, the large majority of them are all believers. And then our church family and and I look at these two bubbles that I live in and it's been a source of conviction for me. I've asked myself, who might I begin to pray for to receive Christ? I'd like to give us an application question for all of us to take seriously and consider. The application question is this, who are two or three people that you are that you will pray for to be saved. Uh, that is the application that I am seeking to apply in my own life from this sermon. W would you join me in that? Are there people that you would pray for regularly, even daily, to be saved? It starts with prayer. If, if we uh, pray, our hearts will be turned towards wanting to, to share the gospel with others. The reality, if they do not receive the gospel, when that door is closed to this life, they will be cast away from God for all eternity. You've got family members. You've got friends. You've got acquaintances that you would love to come to know Jesus. May we start here to pray for them. The picture of hell in this passage, the frightful description of life in this passage is that of a, a life that is fulling, full of weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a picture of a life that is full of regret and pain and constant suffering. Well, for 
all eternity, those that were cast away from God into hell will live in regret, pain, and constant suffering. But for many, they are living that life even now. And I've heard it said, people say, my life is hell on earth. And I'll say, and I'll, and I'll be thinking, no, hell will be far worse than what you're experiencing now. But in another sense, yes, you're, we're getting a foretaste of what life would look like if God is not involved. And the good news that we can have as Christians is we have the opportunity to not only not experience that pain, misery, and regret, but we can invite others in. That is the first aspect of, of, this, um, of this point that I am calling a scary revelation. But the second aspect of the scary revelation comes in verse 26 where it says, The people say, We ate with you and drank with you. We heard your teachings. And they wonder, how is it that I am not now welcomed into your kingdom? And I read that and I'm like, that does strike fear in my heart because is that not a picture of someone who is saved, who would be uh, received into heaven? We ate with you and drank with you and we heard your teachings. What Jesus is doing here is he's calling out Nominal Christianity. Those that claim to be followers of Christ, but are so only by name only. Because they have a nominal relationship with God, but they don't actually practice a relationship with Him. They don't let His commandments sink into their hearts and their lives. Jesus said in John 14, 23, uh, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to him and make our home with them. Now contrast this verse to the, uh, Luke thirteen twenty six. In this verse we see not only someone who heard Jesus' teaching on the street, but someone who obeys his teaching. In, uh, in Luke 13, we have someone that invites Jesus to come in and eat with them and drink with him. But here we have someone who invites them to come in and make their home with them. This is calling us out for those that are living as Christians by name only. Jesus is saying, it's not just enough to have a dance with me. You must marry me. And it's not just enough to go, uh, to kind of do the minimum, to just get by. He said, we must enter into that covenant relationship like we would with our spouse. And so my question for us is, do we love him? Do we obey his commandments? Have we invited Jesus to come into our lives, not just to have the occasional dinner with and a cup of coffee, but to make, our, uh, but, but to make his home with us? that we might live with him forever in this life and in the life to come. For the Israelites who first heard this teaching, uh, the application for them is clear. They thought they were at the front of the line. They thought they were the ones that would be welcome into God's kingdom. And Jesus is saying, no, not because you haven't kept the commandments, because you don't uh, obey my commandments 
You don't have a relationship with me. And would Jesus say to us the same things that he would say to them? I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoer. Only we know that in the depths of our hearts. Let me read three more verses before we move on to the last point. In Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Again, the idea of not only hearing, but putting it into practice. Living with Jesus in obedience to him. Romans 2.13 For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. And finally, James 1.22 Hear these words uh, as the words of God to us. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Again, this is the idea of a scary revelation, a deception. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We are to enter into a relationship with God in, in which He is both our Savior who forgives us of our sins, and also our Lord, who guides us in our lives and uh, helps us to do the words and the teachings that he has given us. Again, this is not a, stri a striving after perfection. We will all mess up. We will all sin against him. Uh, Lord knows I've done that so many times, even this week, and it breaks my heart to think that I continue to sin against God. What God is calling us to is a relationship with Him. What God is calling us to is the desire to please Him and to say, God, with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in me, I will live in relationship with you, both in communion with you, that you would come and dwell in me, and also in, uh, in communication with you, that you will guide and direct my life. Com complete communion and complete communication. And we will obey the teaching that he gives us. Now, when we live like that, there is a major change in our life. Amen? We begin to live our lives in a very different way. And I'll call this a great reversal. It's found in the last verse in this passage, verse 30. And I'm going to read this from the message because, you know, I get the title for this point from the, uh, that passage. And this is, the past, this is a verse that talks about how the first will be last and the last will be first. See, even in pre-recorded sermons, we, we have... Uh, stuff that goes haywire sometimes. Sorry, I forgot to turn off my phone. But here is the last verse, just to get our attention. You know, someone called me just to get our attention. Here is the last verse, Luke 13, 30. This is the great reversal. This is the great reversal. The last in line will be put first at the head of the line and the so-called first ending up uh, last. Jesus is saying in his kingdom, there is a different way to live. There is a great reversal. 
Those that are first will be uh, put, in, uh, put last in the line. Those that are last will be brought to the head of the line. And what Jesus is talking about is how we begin to reverse the way that we are living. Paul talks about it uh, in this way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So in other words, to live a great reversal in which God comes first, others second, and ourselves third. And it seems to me that when we live that great reversal, then the, the, then the relevant question begins to be put in a different light. Lord, how many people will be saved? Well, those that will be saved will be, many, will be much more because we are seeking to live God first, others second, and ourselves third. I've given us a couple application questions already this morning, but the greatest application for some of you watching this, this morning will be to receive the Lord Jesus into your heart as your Savior and Lord. Some of you have heard this passage and deep down inside you have this uh, gut-wrenching conviction that I would be among, the, uh, among those on the outside looking in. And I'd like to as we close this sermon, I'd like to give us an opportunity just to take a minute and, uh, and be honest with the Lord. Some of you can resonate with the words of the Scripture in which you said, yes, I've had lunch with Jesus. I've been involved in church. I've had some sort of connection with Him. In fact, I've heard His teaching a million times but you've never quite taken that step of faith. And some of you may be here this, uh, watching this this morning, and, uh, and maybe this is all brand new to you. There is still no present, there is no time like the present when right now we might be able to begin to pour out our hearts to God. There is a reality, it's a, and it can be a scary reality of living apart from God, but there also can be a brand new reality of being, as Jesus talks about, born again and receiving him into our lives. In fact, right now, I'd like us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. doesn't matter if you're in your living room or your home office or you're watching this on your laptop or tablet. Wherever you are at, I just invite you to Close your eyes and spend a minute in prayer. For those of you that know that you are saved, you have all the confidence in the world, take a moment just to express gratitude to God for what He has done for you. Maybe there is the conviction to want to confess sins and to rededicate your life to Him and, and to put in that radical effort that Jesus is talking about here in this passage. And so I invite you just to in, spend this time in prayer.
But for those of you who are here and you're ready to make that decision to follow the Lord, this is an opportunity to invite him into your life. To enter into that relationship with him. There's no magic in the words that you use. What's important is what is in your heart. And if that's your desire to receive Christ, I invite you to invite him in and to express your desire to be in relationship with him. Not just a surface relationship, but a relationship in which he is the most important part of your life. I invite you to confess your sins, to ask his forgiveness, and then to enter into a relationship with him. Let me give us just a few minutes to spend in prayer wherever we are at. Father God, I, love, I thank you that you love us so much that you would send your son Jesus to this earth to not only teach us and show us the way, but then also to die on the cross so that our sins can be forgiven and that we can have new life with you. There is a scary revelation uh, that is given in Scripture that that one day the, the door will be closed and that there will be some that are cast away from your presence for all eternity into a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a scary revelation, but we also have a joyous revelation in the fact that we now know that the door has not been closed and we've been invited in. In fact, you're here knocking on the door wanting to come into our lives and to make your home with us. And so, God, we thank you for that reality, and we thank you that we can enter into a relationship with you. God, we pray for each person this morning that has made that decision, those that have rededicated their lives to you, and maybe those that have received you for the first time. May you strengthen them by the Holy Spirit that now lives in them, to be able to live a Christian life, a life as a follower of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have made that decision this morning, please get in touch with us at the church this week. We would love to just be able to rejoice with you and help you on your journey forward with Jesus. Thank you.